Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a Triad production. I'm your host, Dr. Graham Taylor. In our show today, we'll be resuming our conversation about Kintsugi, a natural voice biomarker AI program that detects signs of depression and anxiety from short clips of speech. My guests are Rima Salova Olson, the co-founder and chief scientist at Kintsugi, and Dr. Prentice Tom, their chief medical officer at Kintsugi. In our last episode, we discussed the creation of Kintsugi and the mental health needs Kintsugi is looking to address. We discussed the meaning of the name Kintsugi and its metaphoric significance. Rima and Prentice walked us through how Kintsugi's AI voice program works and its various applications. We're going to resume our talk today by discussing how biomarkers, such as the data recorded from Kintsugi's AI program, is shifting the paradigm of mental health to mental wellness. Prentice, what you're saying here, I think, is an important shift from just looking at something as being mental health based, which is important to name something that there's a mental health issue around this. And it kind of moves into that part of the continuum of treatment and consideration. However, mental health wellness is a larger kind of better understanding, I think, like physical wellness, nutritional wellness, spiritual wellness. Why not mental health wellness and bring it into that category? And when you do it the way you just described, it doesn't mean that everybody that gets assessed for a mental health issue or wellness issue if there's something that's indicated there, it doesn't mean you got to go see a counselor right away. Might, like you said, it could be something they go do a Tai Chi in the park, or maybe they get together with a group or something, maybe some exercise related things that all have impact positively on their mental wellness. And I, I really like that idea. And I think it's a nice and important shift that makes us probably more engaged to get involved with us earlier. Rima, I see you're kind of shaking your head too. What, what are you thinking as we talk about kind of that shift from mental health to mental wellness? What are you thinking? I am thinking that if I had a little bit more knowledge about what my mental health status is on a regular basis, yes. and when I experienced this for the first time, when I had known at what point I went from just sad, just mm-hmm. baby blues to actual clinical depression, yes, maybe I would have done something, right? But that's the thing. I can only be identified with the PHQ-9 and GAT-7 scores in my doctor's office when it gets to that extreme level. Maybe I would have incorporated daily walks, yoga, preventing to getting to the point where I needed to take medications. But I was entirely blind to what's happening with me on the mental health front until my situation got out of control and I needed to have a little bit more aggressive kind of therapy, right? But on a day-to-day basis, just like I weigh myself, right? On a day-to-day basis, if I have a good grasp on how I'm doing mentally, I can make a lot of adjustments to make sure that it doesn't escalate. And I think it's not just for clinical workflows, just for consumers themselves to understand when certain things go from manageable short-term sadness to something clinical, I think that transition point is very important for us to be able to catch, especially with adolescents and young children Mm -hmm. who are going through this for the first time. They may not even understand that it's a clinical problem. They may not even understand 
and just suffer in silence and go with it and think that everyone else is feeling the same. So especially for the first time sufferers, it's really important to be able to flag when they actually need to seek help. When you describe it like that, it's a great reminder that first time sufferers, you know, may not even know what they don't know about what they're in. You know, the idea that I, I don't know that this is depression. I kind of feel down a little, whatever. I'm not as motivated or driven. I'm kind of more tired or withdrawn. But we don't necessarily take those signs and symptoms and naturally link them to a depression. And oftentimes when you're in it, you know, you can't see the forest for the trees. You're just immersed in it and you don't know. And you're kind of in your world becomes a little bit smaller, a little bit dark, a little more narrow. And it's very, very hard in those moments to self-diagnose. But what you're describing here is if we can use something like a voice recognition to be able to detect these things with some predictive value. You know, I'm, I'm even thinking you should talk about adolescents. You know, they're kind of a little moody and withdrawn. We all were when we were adolescents. And it's, we might just think, well, that's just a phase they're going through. No, maybe they're depressed. Maybe they're anxious and they're turning within in a way that could be very significant for them, if not having this early detection and early intervention. Prentice, tell me your thoughts on that part right there, just these early biomarkers and the ability to have that early detection in order to capture these things early in order for some proactive treatment at the front end to occur rather than waiting for something to become clinical and then maybe require more kind of a more serious intervention. Absolutely, Graham. You know, it's, it, there's a lot of unknowns in the progression of mental health currently. And so I can't say for certain what the impact of various earlier interventions will be. The logic, and, and it seems commonsensical that if we were to intervene earlier in people's disease course or in their mental health condition, and we were able to identify people who may have future issues and create various opportunities for them to work with their own mental wellness, it, it would reduce the burden of true mental disease on, on, on the medical profession. How that will play out, it's, it's not possible to absolutely say because it's not clear. We don't have enough understanding yet because it's so new and identifying these people early on has never been done before. Right. So it, it's going to take time for this to all develop. I don't want to say that it's going to absolutely be the cure or the cure to the system issues, but it, it's certainly a step in the right direction. In addition, I believe it creates an awareness that is incredibly important. I think one of the primary issues in, in medicine is we tend to ignore conditions that we can't measure. If yes. you look at other, a lot of conditions, everything from chronic fatigue syndrome to even long COVID, there's not a biomarker for a lot of those conditions. And we, and we, we tended to recognize as, them as diseases until actually after millions of people were suffering from them before they even recognized right. as a disease. And similarly with individuals who suffer from various degrees in the progression of their mental wellness to mental health pathology, we often don't recognize that early on and we ignore it because of the fact that we can't measure it. I think this will actually bring it much more to the forefront and reduce a lot of the stigma that clinicians have around how they look at the conditions. I really like that. I couldn't agree with you more that this is a step in the right direction than be able to see where this gets to go and how we put the resources around it in response to it. But the idea of being able in such a relatively simple and effective and, <laughs> and predictive way is certainly pretty exciting. I, I also know that you were just talking, Rima, about how in addition to what goes on in a doctor's office, a user can have access 
to this program all the time on their phone. They can do a daily check-in if they want to recognize what's going on in their lives and maybe even increase awareness more and more. What I love about this is we don't oftentimes know how to be aware of our mental wellness and what we're saying, feeling, thinking, responding with in our lives could be actual markers that we could take a look at. You're providing people with an in-the-moment assessment of how they're doing and to give them some feedback. And even you even have some wellness exercises as part of this as well, don't you? Speak to those for us. Yes. So journaling was part of my daily life when I was pregnant. And it is part of many people's lives who find it therapeutic. And sitting down with pen and paper and writing it and then making sure that my diary stays private. Those are the issues that I take into account when I decide to switch to Kintsugi's consumer application, where it's private, it's secure, it's on my phone, and I don't need to look for a place to sit down and write. I can just speak into it. I can speak expressively without worrying pronunciation mistakes or punctuation. And as you speak into it, if you'd bear with me, as you speak into it, what are you going to be getting back? What are you seeing? So our consumer application that is available on the iOS app store, it does provide feedback while the person is journaling. It provides emoji reaction to the sentences that are being uttered. It is a way to delight the speaker so that to signal that the the application is actually understanding what they're saying. It's not just the wall that we speak into. And the emoji reactions to the voice journaling are powered by deep learning model as well. So the emojis that are surfaced are based on what the person is saying. And if the person is talking about something sad, the emojis reciprocate the sentiment of the speaker to make the journaling experience more delightful. And as if the person is actually getting an understanding and sympathy from the device CBT and DBT exercises help us keep ourselves in check and make sure that we go through those exercises and we can compare how we think about certain things in a longitudinal manner. We also have an international community of people who voluntarily but anonymously share their journal entries with the other members of the community. And we have very strict limits around how much engagement with the community can take place in a day because we we try not to too much consumption of the journaling entries that way we make sure that people don't develop certain addictions or any other issues that are characteristic of social networks that try to drive engagement that is not our goal we're not trying to drive engagement but what we're trying to do is showing other people's anonymously shared journal entries who are struggling with similar topics. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Nearly nine in 10 registered voters believe the nation faces a mental health crisis, according to a new USA Today Suffolk University poll. Americans are more concerned than ever about their mental health. Mental health first aid provides the resources and training to identify, understand, and respond to signs of mental health and substance use challenges. It provides the confidence and skills needed to offer life-saving assistance, and it provides peace of mind. Our experts provide mental health first aid training for adults, teens, caregivers, 
veterans, law enforcement, EMS, and school faculty. Mental health concerns are on the rise, but evidence-based training through Mental Health First Aid can make a difference. Visit mentalhealthfirstaid.org to find a course near you or email hello at mentalhealthfirstaid.org to schedule a training. Courses are available for individuals, groups, organizations, and companies of all sizes. Visit mentalhealthfirstaid.org and make a difference in your community. That's really good. Yeah. I know we're kind of beginning to wind down here for today, but where do you see Kintsugi being involved in mental health and mental wellness in the future? What are your hopes around that? I am. It's a heavy lift still. I think we have a unique technology, but there are enormous hurdles in healthcare that have to be overcome for technology adoption. One is just getting the tool onto the virtual care platform that hospitals and care providers and payers use. So most of those are tightly regulated and just taking that tool and getting it to be available on those platforms can be a significant issue because the fact that they need to keep a significant amount of security around their platforms. There's enormous financial issues. So there is no code for use of this tool yet, then that means there's not a specific pathway to redirect reimbursement for it. There's obviously significant cost benefit to providers and payers that use the tool, but it's a significant process to get them to recognizing the bottom line benefit. And, And then there's just the inertia of healthcare and the process that we need to go through to create new care workflows for the clinicians. The, the labor supply for mental health professionals is already stretched. Oh and so there is push to not actually screen a greater population because the fact that what do you do with more patients when you diagnose them and then there's no care option for them. Yes. So that there's, there's still enormous, enormous hurdles that need to be overcome. The other thing is we believe that in the longer term, we can play a critical role in improving mental health diagnosis, screening, and treatment. But we don't believe we're the be-all and end-all. We recognize that there are going to be other tools that will hopefully come on the market that create other ways of quantifying mental health, whether they're quantitative neurohormonal studies, longitudinal sleep pattern studies. You know, there are people who are doing even work on how long people spend brushing their hair every day and looking at whether they can correlate that to whether they're going to develop depression. So we believe we're one tool of many that will allow for a much, much more quantitative, much, much more robust evaluation of mental health conditions in the future. We think that we can be very valuable and we're hoping to fit into a much broader spectrum so that we can really move our ability to screen, diagnose, and treat mental health conditions in the future. Well, I can't help but think that you guys are going to play a real cornerstone role in doctor's visits in one's day-to-day life. And I believe we're only going to be as good as our mental health is healthy and well. And I think this cornerstone role that you guys are carving out here and what you're positioning in the diagnosis and treatment options and the assessment and the encouragement and skill building and exercise you provide are going to be just so beneficial. I trust already are. 
I wish we could keep talking. I would love to continue. We're going to have you back some at some point. I just going to seed that idea right now and look forward to the time when we do. But as we wind down for today, Rima, would you please give us some resources and the ways that our listeners can follow up with today's show? It'll be on our website, but just give us some resources and ways that they can follow up with Kintsugi and and you and Prentice and what all that you guys are doing. Yes, definitely. So our website is www.kintsugihello.com. We have a chatbot where there's a human who always responds to the inquiries. We also have our consumer application, Kintsugi, available in the Apple App Store. We periodically take down the paywall and listeners can download the application. So those are the two main areas where two main resources where listeners can reach out. But also on LinkedIn, we're we're very open to meet people who are passionate about the area where we're working. We get a lot of interest from people who just learned about us and we respond to every single outbound request. Fantastic. Well, Rima Prentice, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Congratulations on your vision, your innovation, the pioneering of this success you guys have had thus far in impacting mental health and wellness in such a measurable and such a significant beneficial way. So thank you for being on our show today. I don't know if you have like two seconds to fit something else on, but I of just- Of course we do. One comment, Graham. Please. And it has to do with what Rima had said about Kintsugi at the very start and the name and how we came about. And I just want to say, you know, I've been in healthcare for 40 years and I've had the opportunity to work with many groups. And this team really lives a Kintsugi philosophy. Rima and Grace have put together a team that shares a culture of innovation and creativity, and they really lead with a kindness and mission orientation that is really, just for me, an incredibly great experience. And if you had the opportunity, you should meet everyone from the team because they're just such wonderful, kind, mission-oriented people who are trying to do a good job. You would really enjoy everyone. I have no doubt. You both are very delightful, even on the show today, and I can pick that up easily, and I'm sure our listeners can too, from both you, Prentice, and also you, Rima. So I, I love the name you guys have chosen for the company and what directs, like you're saying, Prentice, the ethos behind what you all are doing in such a selfless way, in such a, I think, a very impactful way. So thank you again for being with us. And I also want to thank you to our listeners for joining Rima, Prentice, and me today. It's always great to have you with us. Regarding our episode today, I want to remind you that it and its resources and all of our other podcasts can be found on our webpage at triadhq.com slash bht. So check out our webpage, triadhq.com slash bht, and explore our archive of podcasts and resource materials. Thanks again for being with us on the show, and we'll look forward to having you back with us next time on Behavioral Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community, and if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.